let's put away four minutes of the world and let's let's get our minds in a holy place right now okay um and i isaiah 45 5 says i am the lord and besides me there is no god no matter what anybody tells you no matter what demons have convinced people, no matter what manifestations, no matter what other things turn our minds in that direction, the Lord God is I am. He is the one. He is Alpha, and He is Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first. He is the last. He is the only God, and He is our God. God says in Isaiah 66, 2, he says, for my, my hand, my hand made all these things. He, he, if you look at the earth right now, I want you to just look around you and see everything around you, everything that's around you, the wood and the metal. And even if it's made into things that are made by men like sheetrock and, and, and you're seeing furniture and stuff, the materials the gypsum that the sheetrock is made from, the, the wood that the, that, the, that the furniture is made from, the metals and the irons and everything that your lamps are made from, and everything around you, every single thing around you is made by God. He says, for my hand made all these things. Right. I'm here. Thus all, thus all these things came into being. He says, for my hand made all these things, and thus all these things came into being. He said, everything around you came into being through me. Through me. Everything. Right? And it says, it says, for my hand made all these things, thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. He is declaring it. And now he, he, he adds on to that. He adds on to that. But to this one will I look. But to this one will I look. So, so this is the one that God looks to when he wants to bless somebody, when he wants to raise somebody up, when he wants to select somebody, when he wants somebody to do his work. To this one will I look. To him who is humble and contrite of spirit. And who trembles at my word. Now I thought as we were joking around. And we were being a little arrogant. That it was time for us to remind each other. Sometimes it's good that we put each other in remembrance. In remembrance of God's word. That he says this is the one that I'm going to look to. This is the one. Who my heart is drawn to. It is the one who is humble. And contrite of spirit. And trembles at my word. Now, if we want somebody to tell us the things that we want to hear, we can find them easily, easily. Look, if you if you want somebody to tell you that it's okay for you to to be a homosexual, you will easily find someone, someone very educated. You can find somebody who spent their entire life in religion 
that has doctor's degrees and sheepskins and all kinds of letters lined up after their last name. They're going to tell you that homosexuality is okay and that you can still go to heaven. And if you want to hear somebody with a doctorate's degree that is going to tell you that after you say the magic words, nothing can keep you from going to heaven, that you're going to heaven no matter what. I, I, we don't have far to look. I, in fact, I can, I can let you listen to the sermon from my church for this weekend. It's on, it's on YouTube right now. He says it three times. And, and if you want somebody to tell you, to comfort you, and tell you that you can live any way you want, just as long as you're a good person, and you're going to make it to heaven, you don't have to look far. But if you want to find someone who is humble and contrite of spirit and trembles at God's word, you're going to have to search you're going to have one heck of a search on your hands. But that should be us. That should be us. When we come before the word of God, when we come before Jesus Christ, our hearts should tremble. Inside of us, no matter what we've done today, look, listen, when we're preaching the word of God, when we're exhorting one another, when we're receiving the word of God, when you're sharing the word of God, it is not you. It's not supposed to be you. It's Holy Spirit using you as a vessel. Okay? When I, when I preach a good word at night and you're like, oh, man, Sky really gave a good word. No, no, no. That, those nights when I really give a good word, those are the nights when there is the least of me there. Those are the nights when I'm the most able to get out of God's way. And, and, let, and let him talk to this family. The nights when I am most uh, delivering the word are the nights when you are least interested. Believe me, you do not want none of you. And, and my wife will attest to, my wife will be the first one to tell you she doesn't want to hear what I have to say. She wants to hear what God has to say about it. What I have to say is not going to get you to heaven. What I have to say is not going to break your heart. What I have to say is not going to change the way you are and, and who you are. What Sky is just a man. Sky has flaws. Sky makes mistakes. If, if we listen to the sermon and we hold the man to the standard uh, of Holy Spirit, then we set the man up for a downfall. It's not fair. Because the man cannot live to the standard of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God. That's holding the man to the standard of God. That's saying that because I heard you speak the words of God, I expect you to be God all the time to act like God and, and, and to, to, to think like God and to react to every situation like God. And if you can't, then I am going to disregard 
when God used you and spoke through you. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. That is like when God spoke through a donkey, we're saying, we're saying what? If it doesn't bray like a donkey, if it doesn't eat carrots, then I'm going to disregard everything God has to say to me. Listen, when we come before God's word, we need to be humble and contrite of spirit. And we need to tremble inside of us. Inside of us, our hearts should quiver with anticipation at God's word. This is the way you train your heart. Train your heart to come before God's word. Remember we were talking about when we split, when we split the firewood, how I train my heart to trust in God. In everyday actions, I train my heart diligently, day in and day out, to trust God. Um, I, I talked to Aaron a lot lately. The last, uh, the last month or so since he's been laid off, we've had a lot of conversations. And, and Aaron is training himself to hear the word of God. And as he trains himself to hear the word of God, to hear the answers of God, it gets easier, doesn't it, Aaron? Yes, sir. But if you didn't train yourself, if you didn't train your ear to hearken to the sound of God, to the voice of God, if you only went and listened to God when you wanted to, an answer, you would have a very difficult time hearing the answers of the Lord. A very difficult time. Especially if when God gives you answers, you don't listen. If God gives you answers and you don't listen to them when you don't like them, then the reason why you can't hear him might be because he's not answering you. It might be because he's quiet, because in your heart you have not purposed to obey no matter what he says. God will give you answers that you don't want to hear. God will give you answers to your questions that you are not pre prepared to receive. God will give you instructions that you want to rebel against. But if you seek the voice of God, if you seek his answers, if you seek his directions, you must be prepared in your heart to receive whatever the answer is. And if you miss it, be prepared to repent, to say, I'm sorry, to acknowledge it, to turn around and make it right. Let's turn in our, let's open up our Bibles. Hi, Sky. Hi, Dad. <laughs> I had trouble getting on tonight. Did you? Yeah. About six times if I made it. Goodness gracious, I don't have any idea why. Let's see. Oh, well, we're a full house. That might be why. No, no, we weren't at the time. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was. I think I was the fifth one in. Yeah, that's what I meant. You're the fifth one in. Maybe yeah. that's why it's difficult. Yeah. But I, but I sent you your invite first. You get preferred service. Yeah. Okay. There you go, boy. <laughs> I like that. I yeah, that's right. 
Dad gets his invite first because he needs response time. That's right. <laughs> that is, and that is right. I was yep. on the phone with somebody, so. Yep. So I get, I send Dad his invite first so that he's got time to respond. <laughs> so. I've been listening. Olive gets, I've been and listening. Olive gets the second one. Yeah, I've been on for 10, 11 minutes, so yeah, I got all that. Awesome. Where are we at in the Bible? We're in Matthew 18. Okay. We're going to be we're going to be starting at verse 20. Okay. No, we aren't. No, we aren't. That's an old Martin. Let's see. Yeah, we are. It's verse 20. Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 20. Yes, Matthew 18, verse 20. Okay. Let's. Uh, I know I've been preaching already, but. Let's say a quick prayer before we come before the word of God right now with our hearts trembling, with our hearts prepared to receive the word of God. And and here's the thing. What the word of God is speaking to me tonight might not necessarily be what the word of God is going to speak to you tonight. But I guarantee you there's a message for all of us in the word of God. There always is a message for every one of us in the word of God. That's the Rama. The Rima, yes, Rima, sir. That's the yeah. life. Yes. That's the life of the word that speaks into us. And it will unlock things if you're ready to have them unlocked. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity for us to come before your word with trembling hearts. With trembling hearts, Father, help us, teach us right now how to come before your word in a holy manner, in a manner that is pleasing to you as we kneel before your son, the word of God. Help us kneel before him in a manner that is, that is pleasing to you, that is a sweet-smelling aroma in your nose, uh, uh, in a manner that makes you look upon this family and smile. Find pleasure in the way that we honor our Lord. We help us to prepare our hearts to receive. And Holy Spirit, please teach us, use us, lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Let's get this party started. For where two or three are gathered together, I'm in verse 20, verse 20 of, of Matthew 18. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? And Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times. I say until 70 times seven. 70 times seven. Uh, so first Jesus says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Wherever two or three are gathered. Now, we're gathered together right now in Jesus' name. Yes. We're, we're gathered together right now. Before his word, before the word of God, we're in his name. And he is, he is in the midst of us. 
Jesus is not constrained to times and distances. The, the distance that we're on the phone or that we're speaking to each other digitally or we're thousands of miles apart and, and, and there's a different time zone here and a different time. None of that, none of that affects the word of God. The law of the word of God is above all of those laws. And when Peter asks him, how many times should I forgive my brother's? seven times Jesus says 70 times seven boy that's hard it is so hard for us to forgive like that I mean but we must because if we can't forgive others then we also can't be forgiven it is a prerequisite in fact Jesus teaches us that even when we pray Father, forgive us as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. In other words, the Lord will do unto you as you have done unto others. And especially when we have to forgive somebody 70 times, seven times, it's very difficult for us. Maybe after we forgive once or twice, we start constraining we start putting conditions we start changing the way that we act around them or the way that we feel about them or the way that we receive them and when we do that there's no forgiveness there and all we've done is we're not hurting them we're hurting ourselves Because we've put conditions on our own ability to be forgiven by God. And we've put constraints on our own ability to be forgiven by God. As as a Jew, uh, Peter was really stretching the point when he said, should I forgive seven times? Because the Jews normally would forgive them three times. Exactly. So he he was really stretching the point. So, so he would thought he was he thought he was being like Jesus level holy when he said seven times, you know. And uh, and Jesus said seventy times seven. Therefore, is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king? Now, Jesus Jesus gives Peter an example. This is how much Jesus loved Peter. I, I think Peter is. Peter's Peter Peter is uh, you know if he wasn't a Jew I'd say his last name was probably Ferguson but he that that's not likely that's, <laughs> that's not likely Peter Peter was very very he, he, he was very hard headed you know but he but he loved Jesus he really loved Jesus and Jesus went out of his way to teach Peter. Jesus went out of his way to help Peter to understand, to get the picture, you know. And sometimes he had to teach Peter with a stick, you know. Hard, harsh. So Jesus says, therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon... 
one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Basically, he owed him like $10 million. Okay? But for as much as he could not pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So, so back then, if you owed, and actually, well, that's a different conversation for a different time. But back then, if you owed money, at any time, the creditor could call in the debt. And if they called in the debt, then you, you had to pay. You had to pay on the debt. And that meant if you couldn't pay, they could sell your, your estate, your lands, right? They could even take the clothing off your body and sell that. They could take your family and sell them into slavery. Your children, sell them into slavery. And you yourself would go into debtor's prison until such time as the debt was paid. And, uh, and so that's what this guy's, this guy's Lord has done. He's called him into account and, and called him in to pay this debt. And they tally it all up. And, and with interest and everything, he owes like $10 million. Okay. And the Lord says, pay. And he says, Lord, I haven't got $10 million right now, but give me time and I'll pay. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him and said, Lord, have patience with me. I'll pay you everything. Give me time, Lord. Give me time. And I'm going to pay you everything. If you just give me enough time. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and, and loosed him and forgave him the debt. So here's what the Lord said. You know what? I, I believe you when you say that if you had enough time, you would pay me. And I believe you're sincere. But you know what? I'm just going to forgive the debt. You don't owe me anything. Forget it. Go and be good. Go and do good things. I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to wipe the slate clean. And that's what, that's what the Lord did. He, he took the slate and he put a line through the debt and he signed next to, to the line and he said, forget it. It's done. That one's over. And he sent him on his way. But that servant went out from there, from his Lord. And he found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. Basically, owed him a few dollars. And he laid hands on him and he took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe me. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me. I'll pay you all. But he would not. And he went and cast him into the debtor's prison until he could pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorrowful. And they came and told their Lord all that had been done. And when the Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, You wicked scoundrel. I gave you all that debt. In other words, I forgave everything. I wiped out your debt to me. Because, because you begged me and I took compassion on you. And should you now have compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on you even as I had pity on you and his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him 
so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you, from your heart, do not forgive everyone their brother who trespasses. Now, Jesus mandates that when you forgive, it cannot be in your head. It has to be from your heart. If it is not a forgiveness from your heart, it does not mean anything to God. And let's, let's look at this from an accounting standpoint. The servant owed his master $10 million. $10 million. And the master forgave the $10 million. And then when he came to his fellow servant, his fellow servant owed him 100 bucks. Now, we like to think about the huge difference between the 10 million and the 100 bucks. But let me go a little deeper for you. That $100 wasn't even his. That $100 was already forgiven. That $100 was his master's money, which he loaned. That was his master's money he loaned. And his master forgave that money. So that servant didn't even owe him anything. That debt was disappeared. That money didn't even originate from his own hand. That was his master's money, which is now forgiven. He's holding him, him accountable. He's holding him accountable for what was forgiven. He's extorting what was never his and what was forgiven him and which he no longer was held to account for. What's been forgiven us? All what has all, been forgiven all of us? Our debts. All. As is is all of our debts, but it is it is all of our wickedness. Yeah. So let me tell you that that so this is what I want us all to walk away with tonight is to understand that transfer, that transfer of that wickedness, that transfer of that iniquity. We owed our Lord ten million in iniquity. An insane amount of iniquity, iniquity that we don't, that still today, as we Bible study with a family, we still find things in God's word that shows us the iniquity in our own hearts, which we didn't think that we even had. Thank God we have forgiveness for it. We still discover every time we read God's word, we find further evidence of the debt that we owe him, further iniquity and a deeper debt. And so when we see iniquity in somebody else or when we see wrongdoing in somebody else and we get so upset, they can't treat us that way. They can't do that to me. We forget all about all of the iniquity, all of our sin, all of our arrogance. That has been forgiven. You know, this is this is how iniquitous we are. That most people, when we're having this conversation, when we're talking about this parable, they're thinking about somebody else. They're thinking about somebody else and not themselves. They're judging someone else. When we hear these words, we judge someone else. 
and not ourselves. Yeah, the plank in our eyes. Every single one of us, when we read this story, we think of someone else. Every person that just heard this, heard this parable tonight was thinking of somebody else. Go ahead. If I'm wrong, somebody just speak up and say, no, you weren't. I know. That's the whole point. That's the wisdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. His whole point is to bring out our iniquity. And our iniquity, even if we forgot all the other iniquity, our iniquity was in the, in the way that we received that message. In the way we received that message, the flesh, the flesh wanted to point that story at somebody else. Every single one of us. Therein lies the evidence of the $10 million. Therein is the evidence that we also would choke our fellow servant because when we read this message, we didn't even think of the $10 million. We were thinking of the servant, the, the other person that owed the 100. <clears throat> Therein lies the evidence that every single one of us would have choked our brother and, and wanted them to pay. Even though we say that we would never have done that, that's somebody else. But the evidence is there because we took this parable and applied it to somebody else in our hearts. If we take this message, if we take that forgiveness, if we take that master's forgiveness and we only look at ourselves and we only, only take that forgiveness and look at what he's done for us, it will change our lives. It will change the way we deal with other people. It will change the way that we judge others. It will change the way that we look at them. It will change our hearts and break the stones off. It will make us soft. It will make us children of God. But we must take our eyes off of others and turn them inwardly to our own hearts. If we do not scour ourselves, look inside, listen to Holy Spirit, root out the very edges of the darkness that is in our own souls. Look at ourselves every day. Diligently search ourselves out. When we read God's word, we need to reflect inwardly. Because at the end of the day, God is not going to hold us accountable for what somebody else did. And you are also not going to be able to use what somebody else did as your excuse for your own failings. God is going to hold us accountable for ourselves. And he judges our hearts. Our hearts. Nothing on the outside is going to matter. None of that stuff, none of that extracurricular thing that we see, that we hear, that we feel. None of that's going to matter to God. God judges us on our hearts. And that's why our hearts have to be perfected before him. We have to live our lives every day in a, in a frenzy 
to try to have our hearts prepared to come before the Lord because he might take our next breath away. We might die tomorrow. We might die tonight. Okay, Dad, the floor is yours. Okay, good message. I tell you what, that, that in itself is the biggest problem I think most people have right there. It's forgiveness. Yeah. It is a very strong killer to Christians uh, in this world today. Well, Father, we come to you tonight and we thank you for the message. We thank you for your word, Father, because your word does speak to us. Your word always speaks to us, Lord, if we want to hear. So, Lord, help us to always have an ear that hears and eyes that see. And we give you praise, Father, for your word. Because your word, Lord, is new every time we read it. It speaks to us, Lord. It's a living word. And we're grateful, Father, for the message. We're grateful, Father, for your word that has been down through all these ages, Father. Thank you, Lord, for those who have penned these words, Father, that you, O oh God, put in their hearts to write every one through your Holy Spirit. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that you give us our breath because you can take our breath any moment. We thank you, Lord, for our family. We're grateful, Father, for the teaching of your word through our family. Thank you for Sky and Maria. Thank you, Lord, for their home. Lord, make it a home of peace. Shalom. We thank you, Lord, for our grandchildren. We ask you, Lord, to bless Jacob and Raiden. Father, they have a future ahead of them. Young men getting their footing we pray, Lord, you would bless them going out and coming in. I lift up Tannis to you, Father. I pray, God, to your correction over his life. Draw him to yourself, Father. He's heard the word. He knows what's right. So, Father, we just ask, God, that you will touch him. I ask your blessings over Aaron and Elise. Ask, God, that you do a mighty work in their lives and their walk that you will teach them great things, Father, of you. I pray, God, for the future of Lord doing business on his own. I ask you to bless the work of his hands. I lift up John to you, Father. I ask God that you will open his eyes, his ears, Lord, to hear and rejoice and seek your face. Draw him to yourself. I pray for Olive, Lord, I ask you to bless her life and her walk with you. Do a mighty work, Lord, in her life. I lift up Gwen to you, Father, my precious wife. I thank you, Lord, for her. I thank you, God, that you're doing a mighty work in her heart, giving her strength, Lord, that she's not had before. And we just ask you, Lord, to renew that strength daily. Thank you, Father, for things he's accomplished today father lord we we're so grateful to you for what we've heard and the messages we've heard today in our own heart
Thank you for Rabbi Zachariah, Lord. He preached the word all over the country. Been to 26 cities and countries in this past year before he passed away. Lord, we just asked you, God, to bless all those, Lord, heard the word from him. Yes, Lord, we need to realize that a sinner's prayer isn't the answer. It's a sinner confessing his sins and walking with you daily, seeking your face, knowing, God, that your love is sufficient and that it would cause us, Lord, to do the things you want us to do, that you your Holy Spirit in us, Lord, will give us the unction to do it. We pray for our churches, that, Lord, the word would be preached. I pray for a great revival, Lord, to come over this country. Lift up, Lord, our our cities to you, our states, our Congress and our Senate, our judicial system. God, that you would renew the hearts of your people come and confess before you, Lord, of what you want them to do. I ask you to bless our president, Father. Guide him. Direct his paths. Bless all those, Lord, who have gone before us preaching the word. We thank you, Father, for those who preach it righteously and in fullness. We just give you praise and honor. In the precious, sweet name of Jesus, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all be blessed. Amen. Y'all be blessed. All right. Good night, guys. Love Love you. you. Mama said night. Night, mom. Night, baby.